This is Rick Lee James, and the music you are hearing is from my new album, Thunder. The title track, Thunder, is a never-before-released song by the late Rich Mullins. There are also 12 other tracks made up of original music, hymns, and readings to guide the listener on a journey. You can buy Thunder today on clear vinyl and CD, or stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, and almost every other music streaming service. Thunder, hear it today at rickleyjames.com. This episode of Voices in My Head is brought to you by Podbean. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. Visit podbean.com voices to find out more. That's podbean.com voices. Welcome to Voices in My Head the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes or by tweeting at me, at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleejames.com, where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account, at Mr. Rogers Say, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. My guest this week on Voices in My Head is Nikki Lerner. Nikki is an artist, a teacher, a speaker, an author, and a culture coach, helping others to engage with each other relationally and across culture lines. Her passion is to see people come to an understanding of one another through music and conversation and to learn to remain human with each other. Now, Nikki has also been a driving force behind the Multicultural Worship Leaders Network and the MWLN's 2019 Leadership Conference. One is happening this October 10th and 11th at Bridgeway Community Church. We're going to catch up with Nikki today because this is her second time on the podcast, and I can't wait to hear more about this great conference that's coming up. So, Nikki Lerner, welcome back to Voices in My Head. Hello. Thank you so much. Well, it's so good to have you back again, and we talked about this very briefly, but how are you doing? Oh, I am I am blessed and uh, taken care of and uh, full of peace today. Well, that's wonderful. I, if memory <laughs> serves, um, I think that you have, have moved since we talked last. We talked about a year ago, I think, maybe right after the National Worship Leader Conference, but am I correct that you had had a move since then? Somewhat. Okay. I had. I still live in uh, in the same state. I'm still here in Maryland. But um, I had at that point. I had. Uh, I was moving from my worship pastor position uh, that I had been in for gosh, uh, 17 years, uh, in order to move into the work that I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. that was a big move. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So are you still uh, doing worship leading as far as uh, at the place where you're serving, or is, is that something you do kind of in addition to your current work? 
Yeah, it's something I do in addition to my current work. Um, it's been about, I guess, maybe seven and a half months now since um, stepping out of my position. And so I've sort of been just taking a little bit of a hiatus, um, at least from serving at my church for a little bit, um, which oddly enough, I've needed. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, I've needed. So um, I'm actually kind of excited. I don't have anything yet on the calendar to, to lead worship at my church, but um, I will be preaching at my church um, in December. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Well, yeah. and, and the listeners should know that uh, as as wonderful as a singer as you are and by the way everybody go to nikkilearner.com because you can listen to her music there you also are a very gifted speaker and uh, so it's wonderful that you're getting a chance to do that and i'm so glad to hear of good things that are happening in your life um just out of curiosity only because it's been so in the news over the last few days how closely do you live in proximity i guess to the baltimore area <laughs> uh well i live live so where i live is i live in columbia and columbia okay. sits sort of in between baltimore and dc a little closer to baltimore so okay. i am I, while i don't live in baltimore city i i it probably only takes me about 20 25 minutes to get there okay uh, but my um uh there are members of my family that live in baltimore city right in right in the middle Right. So, well, you know, a, a certain leader in our country, of course, has been tweeting out some graceless things about Baltimore area. And so I, I thought yeah. you were probably very near there and would probably yeah. have a, a differing opinion of the situation <laughs> and the people there. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is that um, there is beauty everywhere. Sure. Um and uh, no matter how much a city or a or a county or you know there there are some some issues that people uh, that are louder than others potentially mm-hmm. or more visible than others that people can see and point at and then there are other issues in other counties and cities and um, and out in the suburbs that are quieter but they're just as dangerous sure. and so the reality is there's brokenness everywhere we know that. Um, but there's also a whole lot of beauty, um, and I'm thankful for the beauty that I see um, around here and around Baltimore. Uh, there's a lot of really beautiful people doing amazing work in Baltimore City. So, you know, um, I think you just kind of say, well, you know, that that's that's uh, that person has that opinion. Okay, and exactly. we'll move in and keep doing the work that we're doing. I, I hate that that kind of uh disparaging keeps coming but you know that's i guess politics these days unfortunately but that's why i so mm-hmm. love the kingdom of god hopefully we can try to be a countercultural yes <laughs> place yes. here on earth that can be a place of grace and and you and your husband and those you work with and the people you live around are um are examples of of lights in the world and, and we're going to talk a bit about that today and, and i'm so grateful that you approached me again about this conference um let's let's talk first before we get into the conference spe- specifically which i do want people to know about and we are going to talk about uh, and that happens in october but explain to us your work in the area of multicultural ministry and culture coaching because i think that our listeners are going to find that to be quite fascinating sure well uh, so a couple things. A, I like to tell people that, um, you know, I, I grew up in a very bicultural family, even though we were all African-American. 
um, the, the two sides of my family, one side, my mom's being very diverse um, and my my stepfather's side of the family being not quite as diverse. Um, and But they were just different cultures uh, mm. in general. But anyway, so I grew up in this family that saw things very differently. And then I, I, when I, uh, David and I were engaged to be married, you know, the looming question of where do we go to church? You know, mm-hmm. do I go to your church? Do you come to my church? And we found it increasingly difficult. This was in 1997, 98, mm. to try to find a church as an interracial couple. Um, you know, I'm African-American. My husband is white American. And, you know, we would we would try to find a church, particularly back then, where it kind of seemed like one of us had to check our culture at the door. Mm. You know, you kind of felt, I mean, our experience was, you know, you kind of felt a little too black for the white church sometimes, not black enough for the black church at other times. You know, you didn't really feel like you fit in in an Asian American church and <laughs> you couldn't go to a Latin American church because <laughs> you don't speak the language. So um, a couple like us, you know, where do where would we go where we wouldn't have to be stared at um, and where if we if we had any children, I don't have any children, but if we had you know, our children will be a mixture and kind of look like peanut butter caramel. That's what we call it. I hate a lot, by the way. Uh, you know, little peanut butter caramel children. And can, so then can they be in Sunday school class and spend that time learning about Jesus? Or do they have to spend that time in a, in a small Sunday school class answering the question, what are you? Yeah. And so that really drove us to the church where we've been at for over 22 years Um and where God really helped me develop my work in uh, helping uh, the church, the body of Christ, know how to become a place where all people really are welcome um, and not just welcome, but are empowered um, and embraced. And so over my 20 plus years of ministry in the local church, um, you know, now the work that I do, I get to train others on the blueprint for multicultural leadership and ministry well that's terrific you know just as i was thinking about when you were talking about finding a place to worship um i I think that can actually uh, be applied to several different things because Mm. i think i think the way it's supposed to work in the kingdom of god i've never seen it fully lived out yet (laughs) but i think the way it's supposed to work is that we are a colony of heaven here on earth and Mm. so all of our cultures are supposed to converge and to be conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus, not not just as individuals, but as the body of Christ. And um, so often, isn't it interesting that we do have such a hard time so often um, trying to get over the culture that's in the now versus the culture that we are called to in the kingdom? I, I think at times um, we find this with, you know, some people with... Um, like different leanings whether they feel more cons- uh, conservative or more liberal they kind of maybe feel that way in the context of certain congregations too you know like can, can i worship here Are these people you know do they feel the same way about things as me and and i think what you just said um th- there's a lot of different things that that will speak to at the same time is how do we conform all of us together to the body of christ in a way that all of us kind of have to check 
um, a little bit of who we are at the door and, and be uh, conformed together, but at the same time not losing who we were made in the image of God and the kind of people we were made to be. It's just fascinating to think about, and it's good for us to be reminded of these things often. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, some of our leanings, um, I would say at least in the last 10 years or so, has been to our our church gatherings, right, our main corporate gatherings to be centered around the preference of a type of person. Hmm. And I think if we could change the conversation a little bit to how do we celebrate when we get together, um, as a gathering instead of how do we uh, make everybody comfortable or uh, kind of placate to a type of person, I think we start to have a different conversation because then the expectation of the believers when they are gathering together is when we come together, we celebrate us, not me. Yeah. And so then when it comes to music or preaching or whatever, you know, we live in this beautiful technology age where, you know, Monday through Saturday, I could listen to any preacher I want. Right. I could go online, find my favorite person, Rick Lee James, and listen to all of Rick Lee James's messages. Right. Or listen to all of Rick Lee James's songs and hymns and be like, that's what Nikki Lerner loves. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I come to my, you know, I don't know, church down the street, community church, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> down, sure. down there, it doesn't, then it doesn't have to be about, well, what do I want? Because I want these kinds of messages or these songs all the time. It becomes, mm-hmm. I have been cultivating my soul all week by myself as a believer with the things I need so that by the time I get to the gathering, now it's time for sharing and celebration. I don't need to be filled, so to speak, because I already show up full. Wow. Those are some, some good insights for us to think about today. Well, you've already been mentioning some of the uh, the things that you work with in the area of, of multicultural and, and, and cross-cultural ministries. Um, but I wonder if you could talk to us a bit about what are some of the, the biggest opportunities that you see for growth in ministry and discipleship cross-culturally? And I like to use the word opportunities more yes. than challenges. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I love that word too, Rick. And let me tell you, the, the opportunities are many. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about where, where we are in 2019 as people of God is we are so inundated with where needs are that we almost don't need to pray about them. Mm. You know, we don't, <laughs> there's not much I would tell people don't pray about. Mm-hmm. But honestly, you and I would not have to sit here together and pray for an hour and ask the Lord, God, would you show us where the the bridging, unifying love of Jesus needs to be? <laughs> that is the truth. You know yes, what I mean? Like that's we, a fact. It, it is that the need for the unifying love of Christ is so obvious to all of us who are believers and obvious to an unbelieving world that this is what we pray for, Hmm. right? I mean, it's it's go time. It's like, okay, we've been in training camp this this time, right? (laughs) We've been training camp. We're learning how to do what we need to do. We know how to catch. We know how to toss. We know how to work as a team, maybe, but we're learning, (laughs) right? But, But this is the time to say, 
you know, Jesus Christ is the unifier. We as believers, I still believe this, hold the key to the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And so every single one of us, Bible says we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Like we can assume that we already have that ministry given to us because we've been reconciled to God and now we get to be reconciled to one another. So if that's the case, the opportunities right now are limitless, limitless. And if anybody or any group of people has a reason or is compelled is the people of God. Hmm. It's a great opportunity. What a beautiful time to be alive. Yeah, for sure. And that doesn't mean it's easy, but it's there. Like it's a Oh no, this is, this will kick your behind. <laughs> exactly. It's it's but it's but it's a good opportunity and, and when we talk about, you know, I, I almost can can hear the words of the Lord being spoken to us, you know, the, the harvest is, is great, but the workers are few, you know, and and it does feel like sometimes maybe uh, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll spin our wheels doing important ministry, but not essential ministry and, and doing important things, but maybe not the things that are essential. And I think some of these cross-cultural areas uh, of bridge building, these are some essential things that, if we're not careful, we'll ignore them because they're hard. But mm. they really are essential things, and I think it's it's the work of the kingdom that we're talking about when we talk about doing this. And that's why I so appreciate you, um, and and the conference that you have coming up that's going to help us to be able to, uh, as leaders, have some of these conversations. So let, let's uh, talk about that a bit because you are hosting this conference uh, again in in October. Um, is, is this the third time you've done this conference I think I'm, I'm trying to remember in my mind how many times you've done it so far if, if I'm misspeaking I apologize but uh, it, no this is the third time third. in the okay. last three years we right. did one gosh I don't know five or six years ago we did one it was great and then we just didn't do one anymore I don't know why we just uh, did it again uh, um, and so then we picked it back up a few years ago okay. so this the third year yes all right well i was right well very good yes. all right so what every now and then i get something right so that's good <laughs> um but you have this conference coming up at, at bridgeway community church in owings mills maryland mm-hmm. and it's going to be on october 10th and 11th and i'm excited about this i'm going to try to to come and be a part if i can yes. this year i it, at this point on the calendar it's open so i'm going to do my very best to to be there um so talk to us a little bit about uh, this conference because it's the kind of work that excites me and maybe explain to us some of the, the focus and the intention of this gathering and it, and it's called one this year one the conference yeah so uh, let me be very clear and very specific about why why we even hold this every year and that is that we believe that we are uh, those of us who have been practitioners in the field of uh, intentional multicultural ministry that we pa- we are passing on and responsible to pass on the tools, the equipping, um, the uh, the strategic planning, the strategic thinking around how do you do this. We are taking um, these ideas that seem to float around and saying 
you know, they don't have to stay ideas and theories. There is an actual way to do ministry like this. Just like if we, if, um, we were going to, you know, start a new building campaign as a church or launch a new ministry or, you know, launch a new campus. There is, there is a way, right? There is, mm-hmm. there is a way, there is a way to do multicultural, intentional, diverse ministry. Um, what, I'll tell you what this conference is not. This conference is not um, so that we can gather so one or two people groups can feel like they share all the burden. Mm. Um, it's not that. Uh, it is not a town hall meeting for two days uh, where people kind of air grievances and then you leave, you feel worse than you did. You know, you're like, what did I just sign up for? Right. Got, I just think of Festivus when you said that from Seinfeld. <laughs> I've got a lot of problems with you people. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should just call. We could call something else the Festivus Leadership Summit. <laughs> Use air of the grievances. Yeah, there it is not that. It is. It is kind of what I was talking about before. It is a celebration of who who uh, or what does the the diverse body of Christ already look like. Mm-hmm. And then how, you know, what are the strategies? What are the, what's the blueprint uh, for uh, making our ministries more diverse? Who do we need to be as leaders? Um, you know, we, we believe, uh, my core team, that one of our uh, strengths in this conference is, you know, sometimes you go to a conference and you just get sort of fire hosed with information. Yes. You're like, great. I know 75 ways to do whatever I need to do. I'm not going to do any of them. <laughs> um, you know, we, we really want this to feel like a pastoring shepherding time together as well as an informational time. Um, we, uh, I mean, we boast in the Lord in the spirit of Jesus, but we also boast in the fact that every year all people from different backgrounds can come together, ask the questions they've been, they wanted to ask, but maybe never had the safety to ask them, um, to learn from other cultures, to learn things such as, um, this year in particular, what is the sacrifice of unity that, believers need to make when they choose to worship together Hmm. um what does community look like in different ethnic culture groups because you know we love the that term and in in church right community 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 but community means different things to different ethnic groups Hmm. and so if you're a, a monocultural environment you may not even realize that you know, your particular people group is different than the people group that might be a, a small minority in your church. You should never know. So this is the place for two days. Uh, we are equipping leaders in the body of Christ who are saying, I want to do this work. God has called us to do this work. Um, help me know how to do it. Yeah. No, and what, what a, it sounds like a really great conference. And I, I'm with you. I, I get kind of tired of, uh, the fire hose <laughs> approach uh, at conferences. Sometimes I have been the fire hose. I've felt like when I've been asked <laughs> to actually speak or play music and it does at times you feel like there, there is so much coming at you. So I really love, I love your intentionality and I love your focus that it sounds like this uh, event is really bringing together, especially in this area of ministry. I wonder if you could kind of create an, a picture for us of, of what kind of impact 
that you feel like this annual gathering has had and have you had some good reports of people that have been there that uh, maybe have said this has really helped us and, and made a difference in, in where we're ministering? Yes, we get reports after every conference we do. And the cool thing about it is they they span so many different uh areas of life and ministry and work. So for instance, um, we, uh, people usually come, the main thing they usually say is, you know, thank you for reminding me that we're on the right track and we can do this. It's just going to take some time. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's huge impact because again, culturally speaking here in our country, it's, it's hard to find that. Yeah. Um, it's either because everything is very binary right now. And so we're trying to take things out of the binary, mm. and make them a bit more in the middle. So so the encouragement factor is high. All of us as as leaders, particularly church leaders, we need somebody to look at us, give us a hug and push us right back out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so we feel like this is the yearly hug <laughs> our leaders get. So so there's that. There are personal things that happen. Um, there was a young African-American girl that uh, was serving as part of my team last year. Uh, she's a friend of mine. She's in her 20s. And um, she, it was her first year at the conference. And she said that hearing non-African-American people talk so deeply about how much they care mm-hmm. about the unity of the believers and the unity of those we're called to changed how she thought about non-African American people. Wow. She hadn't been exposed to anything like that before. And it reinvigorated her own personal journey to say, let me try again, trusting people. Yeah. So there was a personal, there's a personal side. There was a, uh, there's a church part of our network in Colorado and uh, they used our network to ask uh, a, a large group of different kinds of ethnicities. When you walk into a, a physical building space, what would minister to you? Mm. And over the course of, oh gosh, maybe a year, this church in Colorado, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but they're actually going to be, uh, one of the pastors is going to speak about their building project. He showed us pictures of the building project that they did and their whole building, Rick is intentionally designed so that people from as many cultures as possible see themselves when they walk in the place. Wow. And and that, I mean, according to the pastor, that was a direct result of coming to our conference and also being connected to the network. Lastly, um, one of the biggest pieces of impact is the network. People network with each other particularly if people are coming from monocultural churches that are transitioning to multicultural, mm-hmm. they, they run into and find people who end up being part of what they're doing wow. <laughs> in the most beautiful of ways. Whereas before they wouldn't have had access to people or they wouldn't even know where to hire or where to, um, where to find ministry leaders or that sort of thing. So, just the network of having like-minded people who are saying our churches need to reflect the diversity of the body of Christ. Um, It's, we we cannot have this anymore. We cannot have, um, (laughs) 
we, we, we just can't be okay with only worshiping with people who are like us yeah. anymore. I mean, it's 2019. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what? You, you're right. And I'm, and I'm hungry for that. I'll just, just to be really personal about it again, it's been a struggle for me over the years. Uh, and, you know, I've been in the same ministry context um, in one form or another for 18 years now here in Ohio. And um, and I'm and I'm grieved more all the time. Um, n- not that I don't have uh, friends who are uh, who are non-white or come from from different backgrounds, um, but I my the place I worship is still I would say 99% white, you know. <laughs> yes. And uh, and and I so I really appreciate this and I long for this and sometimes I think that we need that kind of a push. And I think a lot of us would find in our hearts, if we're honest, we would say, you know what, this is something that I thirst for and I hunger for, and I think it's something the Holy Spirit is putting in us to hunger and thirst for because uh, heaven, the people of heaven, it's so much more vast, and we will experience um, new parts of God that we maybe had not even thought we would ever experience before if we're only with people like us, you know, sometimes. And I think God just reveals himself in different ways and through different people and through different backgrounds. And so um, I, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate this and, and you're creating a space like this. And it's so unique. As I As I think about it now, I can't think of too many conferences I've been to unless, you know, I've been invited to a few conferences to speak or to play and, and it ended up being again the opposite 99 percent uh non-whites but mm-hmm. very few whites i i, I kind of felt like i was the only one there and i i'm sure that you felt that way at times in many conferences yeah where, where you go and it's like it's like am i the one black person here in the midst of you know well you yeah. know what's interesting rick is when i go places like that um i i think my heart says uh why doesn't anybody else see that people are missing? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, my heart, I was just telling a friend of mine the other day that sometimes I feel like the, the crazier things get, the more compassionate my heart gets. And I can't explain that. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's that it's particularly when you come from doing the work I do and, and the, the ministry that I've been a part of, you realize how much life, there is when people from different cultures, uh, ethnic cultures come together and share their love for Jesus and expression and worship and food and dance and yeah. it's and preaching. Um, so, but I think right now, even in Christian circle, which is interesting to me, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are very fear based. Hmm. And I think you have many, many things where, People even are curious about, okay, well, what might this look like for, you know, First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Ohio? You know, like, mm-hmm, right. what, is, what, is, what does multicultural ministry look like um, in a cornfield in Pennsylvania? You know, mm-hmm. um, and the thing is, is that we're creating a space each year um, that is safe to ask questions, um, safe to experience uh, safe to not know. Yeah. Um, and those I'm learning over the years, you know, those those spaces have to be created and oftentimes have to be facilitated and cultivated by people who um, whose greatest goal 
is the heart of Jesus more than anything else. And for all of us involved, it takes a sacrifice. It takes a laying down. Um, it requires entering into the sufferings of Christ. But we can find rest and safety there with him. Well, I'm going to be reflecting on that for a while. The sacrifice of unity that you mentioned—that's uh, something that's that's going to be burned into my brain for a little bit as I as I think and pray. And I think that's really good. Well, I think it's it's fairly obvious that this is a good conference for leaders to go to. But I want to ask you as well: um, if if a person is not necessarily a leader in their church, um, is this going to be a conference you feel like they would still find a lot of benefit from coming to? If if they're maybe just a lay person, are they? just want to find out more is it kind of open to anybody yes it is open to anybody and we have designed uh, our schedule for both days for um, learning to take place uh, as well as what we're having a panel discussions in every single one of our main sessions uh, so that we can learn from each other. And these aren't just like, you know, learn from Dr. So-and-so, you know, this yeah. is literally learn from my Ethiopian friend, um, you know, who yes. can explain to you about her culture. Um, some of those types of panels, then our, our small learning groups each day break down into pastoral, uh, practical and personal and so people can find uh, wherever they are and whatever they want to learn about at this conference. We have designed it ver to be very inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're a pastor, you'll get it. If you're, you know, somebody that attends a church and is curious, you'll get it. Um, th yeah, the conference is for people. <laughs> oh, that's great yeah. if you could and you may not if you're like me i almost have to have it written down in front of me to remember everything but if possible are you able to give us kind of a, a quick rundown of, of what the schedule would be as far as like when the event starts and uh when it ends and sort of a breakdown of what happens in between oh absolutely so the event is uh october the 10th and 11th which is a thursday and friday um Thursday, our, our day begins around nine o'clock. And I say around because this is a multicultural worship leader conference, <laughs> which means some, some of our cultural friends may not show up until 930. Gotcha. Uh, that's, that's your first learning, Rick. Yeah. Be nine o'clock. One of the things I learned very fast when I was in Africa a few years ago it was like, well, if it starts at nine, we'll get going about 11. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's one thing I love about white culture, man. They are on time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we we will start it at nine. We will have okay. uh, worship each day that is reflective and hopefully stretches a lot of people on what worship could look like mm. um, having diverse cultures. So we'll we'll start there. Then we talk about the diversity in unity. What does that actually mean um, when God when Jesus prays that we would be one? What does that look like? And then from a theological standpoint, and then practically, what could that look like within our liturgies, within our programs? And then we give people each day uh, a response time collectively in the, in the large group to share ideas or to share insights or ask questions right there. Um, the middle of the day, and this is for both days, the middle of the day, um, we have our small learning, learning groups, workshops, if you will, pastoral, practical, and personal. 
And the back end of the day, we start to talk about the sacrifice of unity. And then at the end of the day, we go into some real practices based on what we've heard of prayer, uh, repentance, if need be, uh, care for one another and worship. Uh, and then the next day we start talking about things such as uh, the witness of unity. Uh, what does it mean when, again, when Jesus asks us to be one so that the world would know? Hmm. We talk about diverse definitions of community later that day and then another response time. So those are what our days uh, kind of look like. They're two pretty packed days. But again, our goal is to create a, a space where people can be together. Um, they can experience one another um, and really continue to search their own heart in this work as well. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful conference, and I'm I'm going to be looking at my schedule this week and hoping I can arrange it to be there because I really want to be a part no, of brother. this year. <laughs> you had said it. You had, when we talked about it last year, I had something already on on the calendar. I thought, oh man, I wish I could <laughs> wish I could rearrange it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think this is important and good work. And I, I want to thank you for coming on to talk to us about it today. And I, for everybody listening, I want to encourage you first to, to go to NikkiLearner.com and, and I want to spell that for them so they'll know uh, it's, it's www.nikkiler ner.com and if you go to nickylearner.com not only can you find out more about the great um, music and ministry of Nikki Lerner but you'll also see a link on that website about the MWLN1 conference for 2019 and you you can click on that it'll take you to an Eventbrite link and you can find much more about the conference uh, things that we even probably haven't covered today in our conversation um, but I did want to make sure everybody had that link and I I'm going to put all of that in the show notes on uh, on the podcast website as well. So if you listen to this show, just kind of make sure and go to the show notes and, and you'll be able to find out more. Well, Nikki, is, is there anything else that we haven't talked about today that you want to before we end our time together? Well, thank you again for um, letting me talk to uh, your audience. And just it's always good to talk to you. I, I would say this, and that is... Uh, in this work, we all need training. Um, and uh, make no mistake about it, if you try to jump into this work thinking you got it just because you know how to run a church, um, I, you'll get discouraged real fast. And so um, let us help you uh, yes. not be discouraged, um, but to really have some solid tools that you can cultivate in your organization, in your church community, big, small, no matter what, these things are proven and they work. And so I would just say uh, this is doable. Um, We have the answer as the body of Christ to the division in our world. So let's do it. Amen. Well, Nikki Lerner, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. (laughs) Thank you, Rick. Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. 
Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.